Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday, June 8th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Horns, our tribe beat writer. Paul, great to talk to you. We got a great guest lined up for later on in the show, Phil Miller from the Star Tribune. He's going to help us preview the Twins this season, uh, if we get underway, when we get underway with a, a baseball season. But the, the latest today, we had a, an early proposal from Major League Baseball that went back to the players. 76-game season at 75% of their prorated pay. Uh, what's, what's your feeling on this, this latest offer with a, a Wednesday deadline for the, the union to reject it or accept it? Well, I think uh, it's, it's a positive sign that the owners made a proposal because the last time we, we heard from them, they were not going to make a proposal. The uh, rejecting uh, the, uh, the players' 114-game season was, you know, they said they weren't going to make a proposal after that. Um, so that's the positive step. Maybe they can reach an agreement or some kind of uh, compromise based on this. There's a little back and forth. That's always a good thing. But, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like the players initially are, are very are overwhelmed by this. Right. This isn't the, the sort of offer that's going to make things move at a rapid pace. I think the the players have to take it back and, and consider it, but from the initial reactions that we're seeing, they're not real pleased because it, it doesn't really move the needle, I don't think, this offer doesn't from the, from the ownership. Uh, there is talk that if this goes down, if this doesn't get uh, approved, since we're, we're beyond that June 10th sort of deadline where they wanted to start training camp, we've already seen them move the – the start date that they want to start games for back to July 10th. And that's sort of an indication that every day that goes by now, we're going to start losing the potential for games because the owners are dead set on having everything wrapped up by the end of October. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, according to the the March 26th uh, agreement that the two sides reached uh, right after the season was uh, delayed, uh, Manfred has the ability, the commissioner has the ability to uh, name the length of the season. So, you know, that might, that might be right around the corner or it might be a hammer that the uh, Major League Baseball is holding over the players to get, to, to get, to get some kind of feasible deal done. 
if we go beyond much more than a week from today and there isn't an agreement reached or the, the ownership hasn't, you know, come down and unilaterally implemented a 50 game season. I think that's what we're headed for is, is 50 games with the possibility of expanded playoffs. You're looking even more expanded playoffs than the, the seven teams that were offered for, for each league. Uh, you might see nine teams. You might see a, a, a like a, a double first round uh, of teams that way. Is that something that would be more acceptable than playing 50 games and then jumping right into the postseason? You know, I think, Joe, as many games as they can play, you know, playoffs or regular season, whatever it is, you know, they want to get to the postseason. It's obvious. That's where the money is. Um, hopefully the owners, the, the lure, the, you know, the, the lure of the owners offering some of that postseason money to the players will we'll get some kind of deal done here. I mean, it, it's getting to the point, like you were saying, Joe, they just got to make a deal one right. way or the other. Let's, uh, let's not declare a winner or a loser. Let's just play baseball. Well, and the, uh, the players are getting these, these little concessions here as, as with this latest offer. They, they got a concession that said uh, no penalties for signing free agents in the offseason this year. So it would, it, ostensibly it would it, it loosen up the free agent market, make teams more willing to sign free agents with that, without knowing that you know, they have to take a penalty in, a, in, in terms of draft picks, no, compens- no compensatory picks that way. So, uh, you know, that looks like a, a positive in, the, in, in step forward for the players, but it doesn't look like they're willing to budge off of the salary issue at all. So uh, that's, that's where we are right now. Yeah, I think the players will eventually budge off that prorated. Right. They've got to. I mean, if they want somewhere, to, maybe want to somewhere. Deal, if they want to play baseball, they're going to have to do it. Maybe a number somewhere between that seventy-five and a hundred percent. Yeah, prorated I mean, might might satisfy them. All right. Well, let's jump into our conversation with Phil Miller from the Star Tribune in Minneapolis as we get set to sort of spend the next couple of weeks previewing the teams that the Indians will face in the American League Central if and when this 2020 season gets underway. Yeah, uh, Phil is, you know, the beat writer for the Twins, and uh, we are, I guess we're being uh, boldly optimistic, Joe, that <laughs> there is going to be a season. We are forging ahead, whether you like, whether our listeners like it or not. So we're going to uh, preview the AL Central, and then we'll, we'll go to the NL Central. And uh, those are the two divisions where we, we, we expect the Indians to play all their games in whatever number that may be. And uh, we're going to start with the Twins, and why not? The, the, the division champions hit what hit a record 307 home runs last year and made a lot of interesting moves this winter, this past winter. All right. When we come back, we'll be joined by Phil Miller from the Star Tribune here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right. We're joined now by Phil Miller, the Twins beat writer for the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. Uh, Phil, great to talk to you. Great to chat with you. And like you said, uh, typical baseball season, right? Uh, nothing, nothing changed, nothing different, nothing unusual going on right now. Well, it's been crazy unusual because for the first time ever in Target Field history, uh, they have had perfect weather on <laughs> scheduled game days uh, in April and May. Never happened before. They would not have had even a momentary uh, rain delay. Not a drop of precipitation uh, during Twins home games. Uh, I I was been following the schedule uh, religiously because it's uh, they're using up all their weather luck. 
Well, I know that when the Indians were scheduled to open the season at home on March 26th, everybody said, oh, you better bring your parkas and your, your rain gear because it was just going to be awful. I, I believe back on March 26th, it was 60 degrees and sunny here in Cleveland, and we were all just sort of kicking, kicking ourselves over it. Uh, but, but other than the, uh, the weather and other than the, the perfect conditions, I guess, uh, what has this delay in the, the start of the season or missing the first half of the season you know, really made you miss out on that you were anticipating seeing with this Twins ball club? Well, the big one with the Twins is Josh Donaldson. Uh, they, for the first time in their history, really, they uh, went out and got a big money, top of the line, uh, big name free agent, um, something that the Twins are, have never uh, been able to do or been willing to do. And uh, I think they were pretty excited about what he was going to bring to the team. And now uh, I had to look up his name to remember him. <laughs> you know, Phil, you guys lose Crone, you lose Shoop, and then you bring in Donaldson. I mean, that kind of there, – there's no drop-off there. Yeah, um, and they, they lost Crone and they lost uh, Scope uh, intentionally. They let them go. Uh, they – uh, Scope was a free agent. They did not make him an offer. Crone, uh, they uh, DFA'd. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, non-tendered, I mean, and uh, let him go as well. Um, could have kept either one, decided of their nine starters in the batting order, those were the bottom two guys in uh, in war, in, uh, in production, basically, and decided to upgrade. Uh, so uh, even those, I think they consider to be uh, positive moves. You you saw the the offense sort of jump up and take that you know huge leap last year. Uh, you know, set the record for home runs, and and really, uh, how much a part of that was Nelson Cruz and his influence just over the whole batting lineup, uh, top to bottom. Well, it was huge, and and yeah, I always I always say it uh, say it out loud uh, because it, it's still so unfathomable. They hit more home runs than any team in Major League history last year. Uh, if if that stands for much uh, for very long, that'll be one of the all-time great trivia questions uh, because they are traditionally a low-power team. But um, and Cruz was uh, an enormous part of it. He led the team in home runs. Uh, it was kind of a risk because he was a uh, 38 when he signed. He was uh, going to turn 40 uh, beginning of next month. Uh, now, so they didn't know what the, they didn't not know what they were getting. Uh, sluggers sometimes drop off uh, rather precipitously. Um, but one thing that Cruz did uh, was fill the void that of leadership that uh, the Twins really needed. They had had um, Joe Mauer was uh, the uh, kind of a clubhouse leader, but he was a quiet guy. He wasn't a demonstrative guy. And for that, they had Eduardo Escobar and uh, Brian Dozier, who uh, they traded both away in order to get younger. And so there was a real question last year about who would be the uh, leader of the team. It was Nelson Cruz, also very quiet in how he went about it. Uh, very much a, uh, you know, do what I do uh, kind of a, a leader. And uh, it, uh, it gave the team a lot more confidence in the clubhouse and uh you know he was a he was a home run threat every time he uh, uh stepped to the plate uh in the in the offense 
Bill, the the, uh, the impressive thing about the Twins, at least the offseason, if if we ever get to see the season, is is what they did with their pitching. Uh, can you you know bring him back or Odorizzi and sign you know re-signing Pineda? What can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's funny they it, it worked out oh okay I think, but in December it looked like they were going to be a real failure uh, on the pitching staff. Uh, they were second in the league in runs scored last year, so they were pretty confident about the offense. But pitching was the obvious problem. The rotation was a big problem. Um, and so they decided to spend the money on a big-name, big-budget uh, free agent. Um, and they went after Zach Wheeler. They uh, talked to Madison Bumgarner. Uh, they worked uh, whatever they could to try to find uh, – somebody to trade a top of the line uh starter thinking that they would likely lose uh take little reason um it didn't happen for them uh wheeler uh they may have outbid the phillies but did not get uh, zach wheeler um ended up not getting madison bumgarner and uh and in mid-december it looked like well the pitching is going to be a real problem but they got Lucky with Odorizzi, who decided to accept the qualifying offer and become a free agent again this fall, a uh, a risk that I assume he would like to have back now. But uh, mm-hmm. um, they uh, they had uh, sold Michael Pineda on staying in Minnesota. He felt comfortable here, out of New York, and uh, and really liked the team, liked how. The team uh, supported him after he was uh, suspended for uh, failing a PED test that he somewhat credibly uh, claimed he was uh, uh, an uh, innocent victim uh, in that case. He uh, had the suspension reduced. Um, so the, the twins uh, in mid-December decided to pivot, decided if we can't uh, cut down runs allowed that way, we're going to do it with defense. And the best way to do that was they had kind of a glaring hole in their defense, and that was Miguel Sano at third base, who is a professional designated hitter in waiting. Uh, and so they moved him to uh, first base against his will initially, but they uh, decided to beef up the offense instead and the defense by signing Jack Donaldson. Um, they, they did go out and uh, trade for Kenta Maeda um, for training camp. So uh, that ended up um, beefing up the uh, pitching staff even more. But uh, they, they come back this year with everybody that they had last year except for uh, Kyle Gibson. Mm-hmm. They've added Kenta Maeda. They've added Rich Hill, who had uh, um, elbow surgery and won't be available until uh, July, which, as it turns out, could be available on opening day now. Yeah. Um, so the pitching uh, situation looked dire in December, and uh, yeah, I think they feel awfully fortunate now. Right. It, it, the uh, the coronavirus delay and the shutdown sort of really helped out a lot of clubs. You know, the Indians had uh, a yeah. chance to have guys in their starting rotation recover as well. Uh, you mentioned the trade to acquire uh, Maeda. How much does the loss of Broussard Greaterall, who was, you know, looked like a, a fine prospect coming coming in there, uh, in the bullpen, how much does that affect the, the makeup of the bullpen? And uh, you also, the, the, the Twins also added Tyler Clippard from the Indians as a free agent as well. Mm-hmm. And we saw 
we saw he was the Swiss Army knife for for Terry Francona last year. He did just about uh, a little bit of everything for the Indians. Uh, the the loss of Greater All, the addition of Clifford, what does that you know do to the, uh, the the Twins bullpen? Well, for 2020, the calculation is it won't do too much, and that it was worth it to have uh, um, to have Maeda, a guy that uh, was excited to come here and wants to be in the rotation. Uh, it is a risk. They don't have they have a deep farm system, but not pitching wise. Uh, that they do fear that that is uh, a pending uh, hole that they will have to deal with down the road. Uh, and it's true, Gratterall could be a star. They they may have given up. Uh, uh, K Rod is the is the guy he's always uh, compared to a guy that uh, was 19 years old when he debuted last September mm-hmm. and can throw the ball 102 or 101 miles an hour pretty regularly. It's possible that. Uh, he will be a star for a lot of years. They felt like they had to give up something to get something, that they liked the composition of their bullpen right now. Uh, Gratterall probably would not have, well, I, I don't know if you can say this, but he may not have uh, grown into an important role this year. He's, he, he's just turned 20. Um, so they, they figured it was a risk that uh, they signed Josh Donaldson. So the emphasis is on right now this year and next year, um, and uh, decided to uh, go ahead. I, I I don't think we'll have a huge impact on this year's bullpen, but they may live to regret that one. What what can you tell us, Phil, about uh, Taylor Rogers? I was really impressed with him as as your closer last year. Kind of he could go more than one inning, faces lefties, righties. You know, he seemed to be very effective. Yeah, and uh, very mature too. He's uh, he is the uh, he's what you want in a uh, closer. He doesn't let uh, getting hit uh, bother him. He doesn't get hit that much. But uh, uh, I think the Twins also like the look that having a left-handed uh, closer uh, gave them, which you would you would think is um, uh, kind of wrong-headed and with all the left-handed uh, power hitters around the league, but uh, he uh, he has uh, a, a slider that is very effective against left-handed hitters that uh, um, has has turned out to be uh, you know his outpitch. Um, his I think his demeanor and his uh, maturity. He's the uh, player rep uh, right now, so uh, he's uh, you know he's a smart guy. Um, and uh, he uh, never sought the closer role, uh, as he said, but he just kept excelling in whatever role they gave him, and uh, uh, they tried him out, and, and it stuck. I, uh, he's certainly one of the most uh, lesser-known closers around the league. What about mentioned- Sergio Romo? How, how important was it to bring him back? Sergio, uh, you may know, is a... Uh, pretty um, uh, free spirit kind of a guy. And, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned how quiet the clubhouse could be. Uh, it was unusual for all the young guys they had in it. Sergio uh, stirred that up a little bit. He's another guy like Clifford that uh, doesn't need a defined role. You can uh, throw him in there in the fifth, sixth inning if you need to, and he's, uh, and he's fine with it. Um, they they feel like uh, his experience is uh, was awfully important. It's uh, 
it's a team that has virtually no postseason experience uh, coming into last season, other than uh, you know the guys they went and acquired, uh, Cruz and uh, uh, Romo. So um, you know you watch him pitch, and you think he's still getting guys out with it. He's another uh, um, another great junk baller that uh, uh, the Twins have. Uh, had a history of some success uh, picking up and going in there. It, it's it's funny how much activity happens around uh, Sergio's locker in the clubhouse every day. There are always guys uh, sitting around uh, in front of him, and that's uh, you know another thing that you need in the clubhouse. You mentioned the uh, the farm system maybe not being heavy on pitching depth, but certainly uh, position player depth. Uh, you've got a lot of talent there in in Minnesota uh, with uh, Royce Lewis, one of the the top prospects, uh, being a guy who's mm-hmm. you know, thought of as a, a very high prospect at shortstop. Uh, chances that we get to see maybe him, even if it's a shortened season this year, you know, with rosters being expanded, there there might be some sort of taxi squad where does he get a few at bats this year? Uh, the other guy that I was I was certainly impressed with seeing last year his ability to get the bat on the ball. Uh, Luis Arise, uh, second baseman. Looks like you guys are, are set there at, at second base for for a good long time with with him. Yeah, Arise was uh, one of the lesser known uh, guys, an unheralded uh, guy who came in and, uh, like I said, uh, he had such an impact from June on that, that they just uh, decided they don't need Jonathan Scope anymore. Uh, guy with 20, 25 home runs and let him go. Uh, yeah, Arise is a natural leadoff hitter, uh, a bat-to-ball guy, uh, a uh, uh, an on-base guy. He was, he was their uh, their best on-base guy last year, and, and really juiced up the uh, lineup last year. He even hitting lower in the order, I think uh, he may end up being a leadoff hitter if he uh, plays this year. Um, Royce Lewis uh, and looked good in the spring. He uh, he hurt during training camp a year ago, and so we never really got a chance to see him with the big leaguers. He uh, uh, he ordered himself well this spring, and um, uh, I think we're going to start the season with Double A, uh, but with the thought that he would get Triple A this year. Um, and then they have another couple of guys. The guys that are really close to the big leagues are uh, Alex Kirilov. Uh, he was an outfielder. Uh, they drafted in the first round, 15th overall, I think, in 2015. Uh, he looks like a pure hitter. Uh, uh, hits to all fields, has a unique mistake, and he has power. Um, they also drafted uh, two years ago, they drafted Trevor Larnock, another outfielder from uh, Oregon State, um, the championship team, uh, World Series, program, yeah. College World Series champion there. Uh, he uh, was their minor league player of the year last year. He looks, uh, he looked, it said in spring training, he doesn't look ready for the big leagues. He looks like he's been in the big leagues for three or four years. He's, uh, uh, he's a guy that would be up in the big leagues now with a lot of organization. Also an outfielder. Um, that is going to be a real logjam for them to solve uh, over the next couple of years. They, they have Max Kepler and Eddie Rosario and Byron Buxton in their outfield already. I don't know how they make room for uh, these uh, these two hitters who look like uh, big leaguers now. And uh, Royce Lewis, um, I think the thinking is maybe he winds up at third base uh, eventually. Um, they signed Donaldson for four years now, so uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe 
but they have uh, Jorge Polanco at shortstop. So right. it's another case of how does that uh, all work itself out? Right, yeah, they, they appear pretty loaded on the infield. Go ahead, Paul. Phil, what about Byron Buxton? I mean, this guy, I know he can't stay healthy, but what an exciting player. I mean, I mean, he's, he, he must have stole like 15 runs from the Indians. Every time I saw him, you know, he played against him. He was making great catches, running into walls, diving around. It, what is it going to take for him really kind of to put this, a whole season together? Well, you said it right there, Paul. Running into walls. That's uh, kind of been the problem. Uh, I He's been doing it his whole career uh, and has uh, has paid the price for it. Last year, uh, in a game in Miami, it looked like just a glancing blow that he uh, hit running into a wall, and it turned out that uh, he had done some damage, torn the labrum in his shoulder just uh, with that little impact, which cost him uh, the last couple months of the season. It It is a shame because... It is undeniable the effect that he has uh, on the lineup. When he is uh, in the lineup, um, he, he is uh, a uh, dynamic player. He makes them go. He, uh, he stole 55 bases in, uh, in the minor leagues one year. Uh, he, in the big leagues, he's already had a streak of 29 consecutive stolen bases, successful, uh, something like that, when he's healthy. Uh, and he is the biggest factor defensively uh, on the field you know uh, he uh, he prevents so many runs uh, he prevents so many runs that he could hit 200 and still be in the lineup which unfortunately he is he is proven by hitting 200 and uh, playing every day but he has uh, adjusted he's in the big league pitching I think the Coons are pretty high now um, I think he felt, and the Twins kind of agreed that maybe he was overcoached a little bit late early in the year, and that uh, he's, you know, he adopted a leg kick, he adopted uh, uh, all kinds of different uh, triggers and swing. Seems to have that uh, under control now. Um, he was not healthy in spring training, but was just beginning to come back. Um, might not have played on opening day, but by all accounts, is ready to go now. A 50-game uh, season might be the perfect thing for him. <laughs> right. Well, you bring up 50-game season. If that is where we're heading right now, and all reports uh, as of today's latest offer indicate that that might be the case, uh, in a short season, do do you think the, the Twins match up well with the Indians? And also we have to think about the uh, the White Sox in the division. But, but really, the it's it's a to me it's a question of the Indians rotation versus this Twins lineup that's just that was a, a juggernaut last year and and looks to to try and do the same thing this year. Yeah, I, it really is going to come down to what pitches are ready and what and and what pitches aren't when we get back, isn't it? Uh, I know uh, you know the one thing that the Twins felt pretty good about was that there is no more uh, no pitcher is more motivated to have a big year than Jake Odorizzi, who put off free agency until uh, whatever's going to happen this fall. He needs to have a big year. He had a, a terrific first half last year, maybe all-star team. Uh, and, uh, you know, figures to be a fast starter. I know that he has been working hard. He lives uh, very close to Tyler Clifford in uh, Tampa, so they uh, practice together uh, 
have uh, during during the uh, delay. Um, there, there are, are going to be other questions, though. Is Rich Hill going to be able to help Michael Pineda? Uh, has to serve uh, has to serve 39 games of a suspension, which is going to be a lot if it's a 50-game yeah. season. So you can kind of forget about him. Um, they know that Jose Barreos is a guy that uh, stays ready, works hard. Problem might be that he works too hard. Um, but I think they feel like uh, those couple of guys with Santa Maeda uh, give them representative uh, lineup, and then uh, and then it's a, a matter of seeing how much Josh Donaldson adds uh, from the uh, cleanup hole. We mentioned b before we started recording here, you mentioned, you know, if the season does get underway and, and what things are going to look like, you know, here in Cleveland, we're, we're wondering about what it's going to look like with no fans in the stands or whatnot. Uh, you have the additional uh, concern there in Minnesota with the possibility of uh, a police or security force, you know, being uh, disbanded at, at the moment, uh, as of the latest reports. What's, what's it look, how, how weird is it, has it been sort of tracking all of the, the unrest and, and the reaction to the George Floyd situation while trying to keep a, a sort of a finger on what's going on with baseball and, and then the Twins? Well, it certainly made baseball seem pretty uh, meaningless uh, here, pretty trivial. Uh, I, uh, you know, but my paper did uh, great work uh, covering the, uh, the uh, uh, George Floyd uh, death and all the resulting, first the uh, looting and now all the large uh, protests are going on here just like everywhere else. And meanwhile, I'm filling time uh, writing uh, you know, history pieces and previewing the uh, Major League Draft. Uh, <laughs> it uh, it uh, all seems uh, so trivial, I guess, uh, but, um, we're back at it. Uh, the uh, situation in Minneapolis has uh, calmed down considerably. Um, it, it, it would be, you know, they would have had, undeniably have had games canceled uh, last week. They would have had a homestand uh, under the original schedule, but uh, there's no way they would have had uh, any police to uh, handle any of, the, any of the security there. So uh, those would have been postponements. Um, it's, Still a concern, uh, you know, obviously you need far fewer police for a game with no fans, um, but if the twins are beefing up their own uh, private security in case that happens, uh, I don't think they could have played last week, but I think they feel the uh, situation is uh, um, a lot calmer now and that uh, if the season does eventually start, uh, they should be able to play. Um, it does add intrigue to the question of do they want to hold camp here or in Florida? Mm -hmm. I think the Twins have always been hoping that they would go back down to Florida to their headquarters. Um, and I don't know that that opinion, uh, I doubt that it's changed by the uh, events of the past couple of weeks, but it, uh, we'll see if, uh, if they're able to uh, hold camp here or if they try to get out of town. If they are able to have camp in town and eventually start games in town, 
uh, would you expect massive protests at those games being the first real sporting events in, in Minnesota since the, since the protests first happened? Uh, I, I think it's possible. Uh, I don't claim to know the plans of uh, the protest organizers, but uh, it, it will certainly be uh, uh, something that's in the spotlight here in town and, and uh, uh, certainly might be an opportunity for people to make themselves heard. So uh, I, I'm, I'm sure the twins are, uh, are very aware of that. Uh, you know, so much of the thought uh, in town has been about playing games elsewhere um, if they make the postseason uh, because the players' original schedule had them getting through uh, the regular season um, at the end of October, which not easy to do here in uh, Minnesota. And so there was a lot of talk about would they play games in Milwaukee? Would they try to go uh, south to play somewhere? So I think the Twins probably have investigated quite a bit on what it would take to move their home games. Um, so if that becomes necessary, uh, I think they're well prepared for it. Great. Well, uh, you know, Phil, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on and, and sort of giving us a, a capsule sort of preview of, of what we can expect from the Twins and, and who, uh, who they will face when – who the Indians will face when, uh, when the games get underway. Uh, you're out in Minnesota. I've got to ask you before we leave. Uh, what's your favorite Prince song of all time? Uh, uh, Raspberry Beret. Okay. Um, I uh, <laughs> about three months before uh, before he died, uh, he put on a series of concerts at Paisley Park that were announced on Sunday, and the concert was on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I got tickets to one of those. It started at. Uh, at like 12 30 at night uh 12 30 a.m uh you had to it was so prince you had to park at a uh, park and ride and bus into the paisley park to see him but it was so intimate it was just prince at a piano um and kind of ripping on other versions of his songs and uh, i'll never forget playing hearing raspberry beret played uh on the piano uh with just him uh and it, it blew me away and it's uh it's been my favorite ever since Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. That's great. Yeah. We uh, were, I think the Indians it, were in Minneapolis when they're playing the twins when he, when he died, if I remember right. They, they were, I, I was actually covering those games. They, they did the, uh, the stadium in purple with purple lights and, and all that. So it was excellent. Right. Uh, it was actually, uh, they had, it was a couple of days after he died. We were in Milwaukee, um, the, the day he died, which, I remember that because we were in Milwaukee the day Michael Jackson died too. I remember uh, oh, this is like a haunted quest. Madonna better be pop stars, yeah. Madonna better be nervous the next time the twins go back to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> we make that joke, uh, a similar joke to that uh, every year when we go to Milwaukee. <laughs> there you go. All right, Phil. Uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for for taking the time here, and we'll uh, we'll hook up with you again hopefully soon. Thanks, Phil. Hang in there, hey, buddy. Hey, Joe. Uh, Thanks. Uh, yeah, hope we see you real soon.